So I think the church itself doesn't even realize as a whole how much it's missing of God because they haven't blessed the arts. You are listening to the Artisan Tree Podcast, a conversational journey through art and faith, episode 14. Today we have with us Ken Fong, the senior pastor of Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles and the host of the Asian America Podcast. When I learned about Ken's podcast, I was happy to find that many of his interviews were with artists of various kinds. Curious, I asked Ken why he has featured so many artists on his podcast. Listen in as Ken humorously tells us why he feels he owes artists a debt and why he believes artists can show us something new about God. Hey everybody, Jason Link here. Welcome to the Artisan Tree Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Artisan Tree Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at artisantree.org. Come back often and feel free to connect on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also follow me on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. So here we are with Ken Fong, pastor, professor, and uh, the host of the Asian America podcast. Thank you for uh, having me here. So Ken, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your podcast is about? Sure. Well, my uh, real jobs are uh, I'm the senior <laughs> pastor of a 91-year-old church that under my leadership uh, as senior pastor the last 20 years has really become a lot more of a magnet for creatives. And uh, I'm an affiliate professor here of Asian American Church Studies at Fuller Seminary. But uh, the thing I get the most joy uh, from is hosting our one-year-old podcast, Asian mm-hmm. America, the Ken Fong Podcast. And, and how did this podcast get off the ground? And what, yeah. What um, was the impetus to start it? We just had our uh, one-year anniversary show. And so my director, producer, Christopher Wong... Uh, we had this conversation because a lot of people don't understand how this whole thing got going. <laughs> so he's actually ground zero. Okay. So he uh, he's working on a documentary film that I'm in. I'm, I'm the kind of protagonist of it. <laughs> so we, we've been uh, thrown together artistically for the last four plus years. And, you know, it just takes a while to finish a documentary film. So he was saying, hey, you know, while we're still waiting for the ending of our film, I have an idea. It's like, uh, why don't you do a podcast? And I'm like, I don't even listen to podcasts. And, and he goes like, yeah, but you know what they are. And I said, I, yeah, I kind of basically know what they are. So he said, um, well, here's my idea. He says, uh, when I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I don't see anything out there that uh, has to do with Asian Americans with a light kind of dusting of spirituality. And I think you're the perfect person. You're tied into social media. You're good interviewing people. You have a natural curiosity. So I'll do all the work. <laughs> that, was, that was the magic word, right? Wow. Yeah. Now, as it turned out, I do a lot of the work now in terms of uh, running down <laughs> guests, but I'm a natural networking anyway. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we really wanted to create a space on the web for Asian American culture makers and culture shapers, uh, Christian or not, who we think are doing interesting things or interesting people, and we'll create a space for them to come and tell the stories. Could you describe a few of the guests who have come onto your show? Sure. Our very first guest uh, was MC Jin. He was the first and only Asian American who had been signed by a major rap label. He had won this battle rap 
uh, contest this one season on the BET network. So he was going up against African-American uh, battle rappers, and he beat last year's champion on the first round, and mm. then he went into their Hall of Fame. Mm. So I'm not someone who listens to rap, but apparently, you know, for those who do, uh, especially Asian records who like rap, he was like a big deal. So he had an interesting story. Uh, we found out after he got signed, they totally orientalized him, mm. and his first uh, single failed. And they unsigned him, and then he kind of went into a tailspin, uh, went to Hong Kong, and became a Christian over there. And the, you can listen to the rest of the story. So it, it was just interesting to have him on, and, and I think that gave us some instant cred, like, oh, look who they were able to get. So he was very gracious on his part. You know, we had the Asian-American version of Caitlyn Jenner on. So maybe two months after Caitlyn Jenner uh, came out as transgender, we brought on a Japanese-American, uh, very famous uh, criminal defense attorney in downtown Los Angeles who transitioned to a woman at 61, 62 years old. You know, I didn't know her as a man before. And so it was just interesting, you know, having that conversation. I've had comedians on uh, and just, I used to want to be a stand-up comedian growing up. And, and so hearing their story of how they've, you know, struggle to make it. I'm so glad I didn't go that direction. <laughs> I can still be funny. Um, but one of them, Jenny Yang, uh, she's a Taiwanese-American. Uh, she's on BuzzFeed a lot and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, at the end, uh, she actually invited me to uh, be on Newcomer's Night at her mm -hmm. first ever, ever uh, four-day comedy festival in the Arts okay. District. Cool. So yeah, so I <laughs> cool. did that. Uh, but I also had the guy who right now is the CEO of Samsung Pay. Wow. Yeah, so he he's from Boston. Um, I got connected to a huge fan of our podcast in Hong Kong, who's good friends with him. And he's like, man, you got to have this guy on. He was the first uh, naturalized U.S. citizen to be an officer on a U.S. ballistics nuclear sub. Wow. And then after that, he went to MIT and got a couple of masters. And now he's hmm. like ground zero of all the mobile pay apps. So he invented Samsung Pay. Wow. Yeah, so so I go, oh, okay, and uh, he was here in LA speaking at a conference on mobile apps, mobile pay apps, and so he was nice enough to come on, and now we're becoming pretty good friends. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's it's entrepreneurs, it's educators, it's uh, I just had the C just retired CEO of LA County, so he had all the okay. board of supervisors under him, and this guy was a UC Santa Cruz sociology major stoner, like. <laughs> And now, you know, he rose to this place where he has $27 billion budget. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So just learning their stories and um, finding out they're Asian Americans who are doing pretty significant things. They may not be famous, but they're interesting. And it sounds like you have had a lot of Asian American artists on your show. What fraction would you guess? And why do you gravitate so much towards Asian American art artists in particular? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably... A third, at least a third of our guests are artists, maybe more. And one, that's my bias. I am a kind of a creative hiding as a pastor mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and a theologian. Uh, I've always, I mean, my earliest best memory was I was four years old and I had the Peter Cottontail Golden Book. Mm -hmm. And I opened the inside cover and I drew this blockhead rabbit with skinny little ears and, and crooked whiskers. And I, I remember kind of looking at that and going, damn, I'm an artist. <laughs> now, whether or not that I was, um, that's one of my first positive feelings is like, uh -huh. I created this, okay? But as an Asian American male, uh, especially growing up in the 50s and the 60s, um, you weren't encouraged to pursue creative mm. things. There was no Pixar, mm. right? You know that? Right. So I was pre-med, pre-dental. But in the meantime, I was pursuing music, 
right? And uh, doing my little doodling and drawing and caricature, drawing pictures of the teacher, showing it to my friends. And uh, eventually didn't go the medicine route and uh, ended up in seminary. And that's where I had to really figure out, is it okay to still bring creativity to something that I haven't seen being very creative? And so I tried it the non-creative way and it was killing me. It's just like, I'm just going through the motions, how they tell me how to give a sermon with three points. And it's just like, that's not working for me. So can I do it my own way? Right. And I've always been a person that can give myself my own permission. So that's part of being creative. <laughs> so, so it's just like, well, I need to do whatever it is, ministry, counseling, preaching in a way that actually makes me excited. So it'd be like the difference, like if, if uh, who's that guy who died, who did, he was the painter of light. He, he, he was, he, he had all these galleries where he made all these, these, these little cutesy villages with lights in the window. Um, okay. I'm forgetting his name. People know who he is. Uh, Thomas Kincaid. Yes. Okay. Thomas yes. Kincaid. That's but I don't think he's just copying his first thing like over and over again. And I guess that works for some people, but I don't think you're really an artist. Mm. I, I think an artist always takes the risk of not just repeating their own success. It's mm. just like, well, that doesn't speak to me right now. Mm. So what does? Well, what if nobody wants to buy it? It's just mm. like, well, I, <laughs> I I have to buy it. Right. So I've taken that approach to uh, our church. Uh, I've been there for, this is my 35th year. I re, I, I'm retiring next year. But about 20 years ago, I just felt like I need to start praying to God to bring artists to our church, creative people. Not just people who paint, but musicians, poets, you know, uh, rappers, what what have you, filmmakers. And lo and behold, when you start praying for them and you really are desperate for them because you believe that they bring an experience of uh, talking about God that, that the rest of us can't do, hmm. right? And so it's not like the whole church is artists, but we, we've, I think, really benefited from artists being there. So in, the, in, the, in that same way, I feel like... Um, that's just my thing. I, I will be creative no matter what I do. And you were telling me before the podcast that you had an experience where you felt like you owed a debt to artists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, in high school, again, I was all into the life sciences, uh, except for the marching band. <laughs> and then my senior year, I had taken enough of my science classes that I had room in my schedule. So I took a class, my first formal class in caricature and cartooning. Hmm. And uh, my teacher really liked me and liked what I was doing. So lo and behold, the senior, that senior year, she nominated me to get the Fine Arts Award for the whole school. And that's really weird because I'm going on to pre-med, right? <laughs> but whatever. And, and um, somehow, whatever that process was, I got picked, which I didn't realize. You don't just get a trophy. That means you now have to compete at the school district level, all the other high schools, all the other Fine Arts Awardees. So I'm like, okay. And fortunately, they didn't require portfolios because I don't have any, but they just required you to talk about art, right? And, mm. and so it's not, I'm a good talker. So, so I won the district, which then put me in the final competition, which is all of Northern California, all the school district winners. And I'll never forget walking into that competition and completely being overwhelmed. It's like everyone there was quoting French authors that I've never read and never heard of, right? Well, obviously, he didn't mean that, right? And, and, and they're all fine arts majors, right? right? And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally sitting there not saying anything. And, and I'm drawing the picture. In those days, it was $1,000, right? So I was drawing a little doodle of a $1,000 check with wings on it flying away. And, and it's like, I was like, okay, I, if I say nothing, then it's all already over. 
so but these people won't shut up like they're talking they're talking over each other they're you know quoting on top of the quotes so i waited till everybody in this one woman took a breath and I talked probably maximum three minutes. And I talked about Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> you know, it was like I just threw this thing in there. And, and I just, and I had nothing more after that. And then I went home and my parents were like, well, we're so excited we're going to go to the awards banquet. I said, how about you don't come? Because, <laughs> you know, Asian Americans, we're into shame. You know, this right. is good. And they're like, oh, you're just being modest. I go, no, I talked for maximum three minutes. And I talked about Jesus Christ Superstar. So uh, they went as long as uh, as well as the you know the superintendent of our school district. They're all waiting, there. and when they called my name to get the first place in all of Northern California, wow. like I didn't even get out of my seat. It's just like okay, this this has got to be an episode of Punked or something, right? It's just like okay, we're just kidding. There's no way. You, are you? Yeah, there's no way you're gonna win this. And so it literally all the people that it competed against were speechless. Mm. Like they like finally. Yeah, finally. Yeah. But I just thought going forward, I'm sure they all went to on to get fine arts degrees or probably curating museums and, and right. you know painting great uh, murals. Right. And and I went on to life sciences and then theology and I feel like I owe artists a debt. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah. so wherever I can in my position of authority, either either at seminary or certainly at my church, I will use that authority to make it a safe and flourishing space for artists. After all these interviews with all these artists, these Asian American artists, what have you got garnered from those uh, conversations? Uh, if you're doing it to get rich and famous, <laughs> you're a fool. Uh, some of them are. Okay, and some of the most rich and famous people. I'm trying to get George Takei, you know, from uh, Star Trek. Okay. I, I just ran into him, but he's so busy. But or Jeremy Lin, you know, that. Yeah. But um, they do it because it's just if they don't do it, they won't be alive. Hmm. And so they'll do whatever they can. They'll suffer however long, just for the chance of getting to do it. Maybe they won't get paid to do it, hmm. but they got to do it, hmm. right? I, I just really appreciate uh, their willingness to to go the hard route, mm. right? It's the road less traveled. There's this one guy. He was maybe our third guest. He's known as PK. He uh, he hosts Friday nights at I think the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store. Mm. But he waited in line for four over four years for the chance, never always getting picked, for the chance to have two minutes in front of the microphone, mm. right? And it's like sometimes you're in line for five hours mm. and no one's going to save your space if you go to the bathroom. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. just like, nope. And, wow. and so, you know, and when you finally get your two minute chance, you better be ready. Okay. And in the meantime, he's the black sheep of his family. Everybody else is a pastor, mm. right? right? All this kind of thing. What are you doing? And, and I was like, wow, that, that's really paying your dues. He's still not made it, even though now he's the host of Friday nights there. It's just like, I, I have to have this other job. I, I can't just do this. But if I don't do this, like maybe maybe I won't ever get picked to do my own sitcom on, on ABC or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I have to do it. And so if you don't have that drive, if, if you really aren't committed to that, and I say the second thing is you have to put in the work to find your voice. Mm-hmm. If you just sound like somebody else and maybe in a really good uh, imitation of somebody else, mm-hmm. You're still somebody else. You're not you. Hmm. And it takes work. I, I think you really have to do some soul searching and some suffering and some experimentation uh, to find your voice. And I, I, I tell it to uh, students in my preaching class. 
It's like, so if you sound like John MacArthur or John Piper or Francis Chan or whatever, they are, they're already doing that. That's who they are. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so what that you downloaded their sermon a hundred times and you memorized it, you know, right. word for word. It's just like, it's not you. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point it's, it's lacking authenticity. After all this you've learned in your podcast, what do you think, and in your experiences as an artist, what do you think artists have to offer the church? Or let's expand that. What do they have to offer even outside the church? Sure, sure. Well, I would, and I would even add, uh, what do Christian artists have to offer? Okay, right. so um, first of all, I think, you know, history shows that uh, the church used to be the great patron of all the arts, right. music, painting, sculpture, right? right. Um, they were the ones. That's where all the great artists were drawn to and they were inspired by divine themes right somewhere along the way and you know protestants in particular we got really down on the arts right and so you go into a lot of our protestant worship spaces and right. might as well be walmart <laughs> right some of them yeah. you know used to be these these uh, old grocery stores and and i think there is something uh, about the sacred uh, about being inspired just by the space right mm-hmm. Um, just by how the lights are different, just by how this fabric is draped over this and not that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just the rhythm of, of the service itself. So I think that uh, maybe as part of the age of reason, I, I mm-hmm. think that we started to think that God can be accessed just through the mind, just through rational, logical, deductive reasoning, you know, that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And he's like, back up. It's like, we're talking about a God you can't see. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a God that is way beyond our ability to have vocabulary to describe this God. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then at some point, now we're into the arts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, right. so I think the church itself doesn't even realize as a whole how much it's missing of God because they haven't blessed the arts mm-hmm. and the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for Christian artists, the, the danger is... Going back to my um, kind of finding that authentic voice, I think the danger is you can sound really preachy and cliche. Mm. And to me, there's almost nothing worse than bad Christian art. Mm. So bad Christian music, you know, bad Christian paintings, uh, all, all this kind of stuff. And by bad, I'm saying it's just cliche. It's just what you expect to see, mm-hmm. right? right? So one of the, one of the uh, metaphors that I've developed at our church uh, I think captures this. I say, I think for a lot of churches, they see themselves, even though they don't use this language, they see themselves as like a Xerox machine factory. Mm. So like we know we're doing our job. If generation after generation, we just make copiers. And so what they come out with, whether it's their mouth or their writing or whatever, looks exactly like anything that's ever come out. Mm. Okay. I said, instead, churches should be art schools. Mm. Okay. So let's say, you know, Jason, you're, you're uh, coming to the art school for the first time and I'm your first year art, art school teacher. And I say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, so glad to have you in my class. Obviously, you've been doing some art on your own, right. but you got to learn the classics right now. So you don't get to draw whatever you want to draw. I'm going to tell you what to draw. I'm going to tell you what technique. I'm going to show you what medium, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for the next three months, we're doing this apple, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, all right, so you throw yourself into it. Now, 20 years goes by. And I'm still teaching first-year students, and I run into you on the campus, and I go, oh, I'm so, you're still here. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've just so gotten into my art. I said, I would love to see your portfolio. You open up your portfolio, and you show me picture after picture of apples, hmm. just the way I taught you in the first year. 
If I was your first year art teacher, I would go, where did I fail you? <laughs> After 20 years, you should be an artist. What does that mean? You should be painting the reality that you're experiencing, not the one I told you you should be experiencing. There's a certain order to this, right? right. So right. learn the fundamentals. That's good. But then spring off of that into all that's not even known, mm. right? That, that's not even seen that only you can see. Right. And, and so I feel like that's so threatening to so many churches, mm. right? It's just like, no, 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 we can't control that. Mm. And it's like, well, that's the thing about artists mm. and art. Right. 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 But in the controlling, what are we losing? Mm. Right. So we, we only give the gold stars and the pats on the head to the people who are the perfect little copy machines. Mm-hmm. And that's Sunday school. That's the youth group. Right. right. But now with the information age, with the web, I mean, we can't even control people's access the way we used to, to much more that's going on in the world. So you can be doing, you know, some kind of lesson to the youth group and some kid, you know, yeah, some kid is already looking at whatever you said. And he's like, that's not true. (laughs) Or that date's wrong. Right. Or you said this and this other guy is saying the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to control. Right. And so that's already part of the reality that the church is now asked to to bring the gospel. Right. But then you have to have an artist mindset about that. Mm -hmm. So. Artists aren't threatened by those things. Right. Artists are stimulated. Right. Yeah. So that's what I would say. If you're a Christian and you're a creative uh, in any kind of way, yeah, find your voice. Find your unique kind of uh, dimension, your perspective on God and the gospel and the kingdom of God and all these kind of great, amazing, you know, powerful themes and narratives. But contribute something that nobody else can but you. And and don't just think that that's going to pay the mortgage or the rent. It might. It might do way better than that. But you have to do it. You have to be so committed to doing that because that's who you are. Hmm. It's not because that's what's popular right now or, you know, it's, it's a whim. Well, thank you so much for your stories and your humor and your words of advice. Uh, we greatly appreciate you having on this program. Well, I wish you all the best in your podcast. Uh, welcome to the club. This has been the Artisan Tree Podcast. For more information, you can visit artisantree.org or epicjason.com. Thank you for listening and be blessed.